Please open your Bibles to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6. Again, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to preach. I know I'm not probably the ideal preacher. Um, not going not gonna to give you anything new tonight. Just some reminders from the Word of God. If you wouldn't mind standing, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to share your word. I pray that you would help me to speak with clarity and precision. I pray that you would be glorified through what I preach, what I say. Lord, I pray that you'd give me wisdom, give me boldness, give me power. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with these here, help them to be doers and hearers of the word that you want them to hear this evening. Give us a good night. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. I looked at the word contentment. Uh, it means satisfying or sufficient. I had to learn contentment when I couldn't fly home when I wanted to. I had to learn to be content in my situation when it did not go my way. I, I wanted to go, but I wanted to stay, but I needed to go. <laughs> that makes any sense. I'd say there's a lack of contentment in this world today. Um, heard of two old friends who met each other on the street one day. One looked kind of sad and almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what happened to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. That's a lot of money, said his friend. But you see, the sad man continued, two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew died and left me $80,000, free and clear. The friend replied, that sounds like you have been very blessed. You don't understand, the sad fellow interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away. I inherited almost a quarter million dollars from her. The friend was really confused and said, then why are you so sad? This week, I didn't get anything. We should be content. I'm going to look in uh, Genesis chapter 37. You can go there with me if you'd like. This is where contentment first shows up in the Bible, and it's very interesting. Genesis 37, 27. says, uh, this, is, this is the story of uh, Joseph and his brothers. They threw him in the pit. Now they're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. It says, come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. 
and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brethren were content. That's, this is sad to me. He had, he had 12, uh, well, 11, 11 brothers. And they threw him in a pit because they hated him. And they, they, they sold him to the Ishmaelites. They sold their own brother. And they were content. Now, I don't think I have to tell you that was sin. When you sell a human being, especially your brother, that's sin. They were content in their sin. In this first mention of contentment, we can see the word contentment did not have a good beginning. They were content in their sin. This is the first light that the Bible sheds on contentment. I guess we'll dive into this aspect first of being of things that we should not be content with, because that's how the Bible starts off. Hold up, my notes are out of order. That stinks. So there's several things we should not be content about. We should not be content to live in sin. Um, I joked to Jared when he walked in that uh, since he came, I was going to preach on sin. So now I got to do it. <laughs> we we should not we should not be content in sin. Um, Obviously, that's what we see here in Genesis 37. It's sad when, when people today are content to live lives that dishonor God, lives that steal honor from God to themselves. That's our number one goal in life, according to the Bible, to glorify God. And so when we steal honor from Him, when we are sinning, it's for ourselves. We're not thinking about God. We're not thinking about others. It's ourselves. If we are content with God, then we will live for Him. We won't be concerned about ourselves. We won't want to sin. We shouldn't be content to live in the world. Um... If we are content with God, we will not desire the world's temporary pleasures. The world's pleasures are always temporary. You know, you, you see the world. You wonder why the grass is greener on the other side. It's because it's astroturf. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the real deal. If you want true joy, true happiness, it's found in God. A relationship with Him and knowing Him. 
We should not be content with our relationship with God. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. It's, it's, that, that passage is saying, it's talking to a specific group of people, but we can certainly apply it to our lives. We, we, we sometimes want to eat the strong meat of the word, but we can't handle it. We're not ready. It, it's up to each individual. It's, in between, it's between you and God, whether you are ready for meat of the word or milk of the word. Maybe, maybe you'll have some meat of the word, but uh, maybe God doesn't think you're ready for more meat. But that's something that we can each deal with in our own lives. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. I'm going to go ahead and turn there, and you can turn there with me if you'd like. I won't hold you at gunpoint or anything. It's totally optional. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Tells us to grow up. We should, we should not be content with our current relationship with God. Um, spouses, not sure what it's like to be a spouse, but I'm pretty sure you, you want to keep growing in your relationship with each other. I'm just going to guess by the chuckles I heard that that's correct. <laughs> this might be one of the number one problems with churches today, with Christianity. It's the lack of growth, the, the lack of discipleship of believers. The Bible is such a precious book, yet it's not treated so. Prayer, such a powerful tool, but we sometimes forget it even exists. Devotions feel like a chore. Now we've all been there. I've been there. We've all been there. But it's, it's so dangerous. If we do not want to spend time with God, do we really know who He is? Think about it. If, if you knew who God was, if you were thinking about who God, who God is, you would want to spend time with Him. You would desire to walk with Him daily and spend as much time with, uh, with Him as you could. And then the last thing on my list we should not be content with is our time with and knowledge of God. 
We should always be trying to grow in these areas. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. We're to grow. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 and 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we are not to be content with what we know about God. We should try to learn more about God. We should try to spend more time with God. Well, this brings me to what we should be content with. This is kind of where I'll spend most of the message here. And uh, the first one is who God is. I think uh, many people today have a wrong, wrong view about who God is. Um, a lot of people think God is maybe your crutch, right? He, he's just your, the guy that you lean on, and you can get through life easier with him. That's not true. He's, he's your everything. You can't get through life without him. Yes, it's easier. Because without him, it'd be impossible. He's not our pet. We don't get to drag him along and say, Here, God, this is, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. No, no. But that's how we treat God sometimes. Who is God? I looked it up on Google. Found kind of a lot of different answers. Don't go to Wikipedia. I'll tell you who my God is. He's the infinite creator of all things. He's the self-existing God who never changes. The self-sufficient one who never needs to rely upon mankind. His power has no end. He knows all. He sees all. He is in all places at all times. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. He is faithful and forgiving. God is just and righteous. God is merciful and compassionate. My God is gracious. My God is holy, 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 and perfect. My God is great and glorious. My God is awesome. That is the God that loves me. That is the God that sacrificed His only, only Son for me, for you. Wow. With his almighty voice, this God, my God, created all things. With his righteous promise, he sent a flood to cleanse the earth of his wickedness. What power. This is the jealous God who faithfully sent fire upon Elijah's altar, protected three boys in a fiery furnace, gave his people in the wilderness a fiery pillar of light at night to guide them. This is the holy God whose train fills the temple and who sent fire down upon the Egyptians and upon the Sodomites. This is the God that sent his only son to die for me. This is my God. I don't get to tell him what to do. This is the God I love because he first loved me. A lot of people 
like to put God in, their, in a box, right? They say, God, here's your box. You, you have to stay in there. You don't get to come out and deal with this in my life or, or this in my life. People make God what they want Him to be. It doesn't matter what you want Him to be or even how you see God to be. God is who He is, whether you like it or not, whether you see it that way or not. God is who the Bible says He is. Turn to Exodus 32. Boy, the children of Israel, they're pretty good examples of contentment, huh? Not in the wilderness, no. Uh, Exodus 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses... The man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in, your, in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving, graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made, procl made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. They made this image of a golden cow, a, a baby cow. They said, This is what we want our God to be. Wow, God really did not like that. We see, this is Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to say something my dad would say. Exodus 20 comes before Exodus 32. <laughs> Exodus 20, we find the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no graven images. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's two commandments. They utterly destroyed. When we... When we Think of God other than what the Bible says He is. That's exactly what we're doing. And quite frankly, this happens in so many churches today. And I'm very thankful for our church. And with, the preaching, with preaching like this that continues, I'm so thankful that it does. We will, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. What else should you be content in? Number one, God. Number two, your church. Amen. We have it so good here in America. The normal church service in Uganda, it's a lot different. I'll read you, you kind of what I wrote down about the church service there. A salamander nonchalantly scampers down the wall as the preaching begins. The ceiling is clothed in spider webs. A mosquito lands on the person sitting in the row in front of you. You wonder if it's carrying malaria. Your seat is a pew made out of a 12-inch plank. The person next to you is very zealous. He wants to remember the sermon throughout the week. He takes out a small piece of scrap cardboard 
in a pen that barely looks like a pen. You see him eagerly writing down the notes and uh, the scripture references to look up later. Another boy puts his phone on the pulpit to record the sermon about God's grace so he could strive through the week, strive it to make it through another week of his abusive parents. Just as you begin to feel convicted from the sermon, the person next to you slaps your arm, tells you there is a mosquito on it. Halfway through the service, the Pentecostals finally get done singing and chanting next door. Then there starts to be a random buzzing noise from outside. Nobody knows what it is, and it stops three minutes later. The beads of sweat dripping down the preacher's face remind you how hot it is and how uncomfortable the seats are, how long the service is going. Almost fully through the sermon now, you finally get used to the roosters crowing in the background. So that's, a, that's kind of a normal service in Uganda. Not all of that happens in one service, but um, I experienced all of that in Uganda. Um, plus, when it rains, there's a tin roof, and you can't hear what this preacher is preaching. So, back row Baptists don't exist in Uganda. So. Yeah. Another aspect of just being content with your church, just being content with the way it is. Um, when a church is following Christ, there's no need to change anything. Um, I shouldn't say anything. There's always room to grow. But the modern church is not content to just come for old-fashioned, convicting preaching. They want entertainment. <laughs> they must be con we must be content with our church. We're not here to entertain. We're here to grow. We're here to learn. Are you content with your family? Um, this, this will be a quick one. I just thought of the prodigal son in, in Luke 15. For sake of time, I won't go there. Um, and then uh, husbands. I was, I was thinking about Solomon, how he had 1,000 women. He, he was not content. But us, we men need to be content. All right, number four, finances. Sometimes it's hard to be content with finances. They belong to God to begin with. Um, Proverbs 16:8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Psalm 37:16. A little that a a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Years ago, Russell Russell Conwell told of an ancient Persian. I'm not going to pronounce this ancient Persian's name who owned a very large farm that had, a, that had or, orchards, grain fields, gardens. He was a very wealthy and contented man. One day a wise man from the east told the farmer about all the diamonds they had over there and how wealthy, how wealthy he would be if he owned a diamond mine. The farmer went to bed that night a poor man, poor because he was discontent. Craving a mine of diamonds, he sold his farm to search for the rare stones. 
He traveled the world over, finally becoming so poor, broken, and defeated that he committed suicide. One day, the man who purchased his farm led his camel into the garden to drink. As the camel put his nose down into the brook, the man saw a flash of light from the sand of the stream. You guessed it. Pulled out a diamond. The man had discovered a diamond mine, had discovered the diamond mine of Golconda, the most magnificent mine in all history. Had the farmer remained at home and dug in his own garden, then instead of death in a strange land, he would have had acres of diamonds. Are you content with your finances? Are you content with where the Lord puts you? Um, in ministry, the Lord will put you uh, in some kind of ministry here at church. If, if you're wanting to serve the Lord, that is, then you will be in a, a ministry here at church. Maybe you are like, I want, to, I want to do the live stream. Cool people do the live stream. Right, Zach? Yeah. And so if you, if you don't get the live stream, be content. Um, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to say that. Maybe one of you needs it. I know most of this message, honestly, is for me. Um, all of it. Okay. You got me. Uh, in your location... Um, in the world. Be content where you live. Oklahoma is pretty nice. America is pretty nice. We have a lot to be thankful for. We should be content to live here. Now, let's say the Lord wants you to be a missionary. Should you be content here? No. If the Lord wants you to be a missionary in a foreign field, you should not be content to stay here. It should bother you. And you should go. Are you content with your authority? Hebrews 13.27 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Authority. Hmm. There's a lot of authority walking around this planet these days. I think of parents. You're welcome, parents. Um, kids, I'm, I'm kind of right, right there, too. Obey, obey your parents. Obey your parents. There. Um, obey your bosses. My dad's not preaching, so I can say it. He couldn't say this, really, but obey your pastor. Um, obey your government. Be content with the authority that you have. We, we may not be content with our government, but we should be. Uh, go ahead and turn to Romans 13, if you'd like. Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. 
the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We need to honor those in government and authority in our lives. The president, yes. Vice president, yes. All of the above. Um, take it up with Paul and God. Uh, if you have struggles with that. We should be content when God says no. This one's hard for me because I don't like hearing that word. That means I'm not getting my own way. I'm kind of a human being. And I like my own way, right? Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We have that verse kind of backwards, I feel like. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I'll tell you what the desire of my heart is. The desire of my heart is I want an airplane, right? Many of you know I'm, I, I fly airplanes. I'm a pilot guy. And I would really like an airplane. That's not what this verse is saying. If I want an airplane, God's going to give it to me. All I have to do is delight myself also in the Lord. It's saying, He will give me what to desire. He will give me desires. Instead of giving me the airplane, He will say, No, I want you to desire this. Maybe, maybe He will give me an airplane and... I hope so. That'd be really neat, right? <laughs> but if he doesn't, he will change my desire by delighting myself in the Lord. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. We need to be content when God says no. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know... For everything and all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Sometimes we get this backwards too. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You jump off a cliff. I guess you can jump off a cliff, but it's not going to end well. You can do all things, but it might not end well. People, people will use this. I can do all things maybe like as... An excuse, like, for sinning. I can do all things. Or maybe they, they're to give them strength. I can do all things. Maybe God doesn't want you to do that. Um, we need to be content when God says no. 
It says, In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. We should be content when we are suffering. We should be content when things don't go our way. Let's say, let's say you're like an 18-year-old kid who takes a missions trip to Uganda, okay? Think hard. So you are just sitting there waiting for your COVID test to come back, and you're shocked to see that it came back positive. And you're sitting there, and you're just like, am I going to have to pay for a new flight? This is not what I had in mind. This is not... God, this was not on my calendar. Are you, are you sure about this? Is there another way? Do, do, God says no to that 18-year-old young man in Africa. And he had to learn how to be content. And he had to learn how to be patient. He had to learn that if he had COVID... His body was the Lord's, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He had to learn that his money was the Lord's. He had to learn that his time was the Lord's. He grew a lot. Our perfect example of contentment is Jesus. I was going to read Isaiah 53, 1-7, but for sake of time, I won't. It's um, about him being bruised for our iniquities, like a lamb led to the slaughter. If anyone had an excuse to be discontent, it was Jesus. But he opened not his mouth, it says. What a, what a testimony that was for Jesus. He was content to die for me. He was content to die for you. I don't, I cannot understand all of it. But he was content to sacrifice, God was content to sacrifice his only son, Jesus. Jesus was content to sacrifice his whole life for me and for you. Go back to First uh, Timothy, back to where we started, chapter 6. I'll wrap it up. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I've kind of ignored that first word, although it's more important, I would say. Without godliness, you cannot be content. Without godliness or contentment, you cannot have great gain. Great gain, that doesn't mean you're going to be rich. That doesn't mean you're going to prosper necessarily like the world would say. It means that you will be fulfilled. It means that... You will grow in Christ, and that is the greatest gain you can get. 
So without godliness, contentment doesn't matter. Godliness comes before contentment. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, right across the page. For bodily exercise profiteth little. I will mention on that one, they ran a lot back then. They walked a lot back then, so it didn't profit much back then to make us set aside time to exercise. But today, maybe we could. Um, I know I am starting to this year. You're welcome. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Wow. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Eating, school, work, all things. Are you living a life of godliness? Are you living a life of contentment? In order to live a godly life, you must know who God is personally. You must have believed upon Jesus. That is the only requirement for your sins to have been cleansed. Like the song we sang tonight, Redeemed. Are you redeemed this evening? Do you know God? I hope you do. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. <laughs> thank you for this evening, for the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you for the good listening of these here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn contentment, to be content where we are, what we do, everything we have, situations you put us in, our earthly possessions. Help us not to be content, Lord, to dwell in sin, to dwell in this world. Help us not to be content, to stay a baby Christian. Help us, help us, Lord, as we learn contentment. Lord, thank you for teaching this to me. Thank you for the opportunity for me to keep growing in this area. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom to meet here. Lord, I pray that you would help these here to apply this to their life. Lord, help us all to be doers of the word. I pray that if there's one here not saved, I pray that they would realize what a horrible state they are in. That they need to place their faith in Christ alone. And that that is their only way of escape from eternal damnation in the lake of fire. Lord, keep us safe tonight. Go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.